press record, everybody. Press record. I equally pressed record. Honestly, good, good, good for us. Recording, <laughs> recording. <laughs> Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. My name is Kirsten Cable and today I'm joined by Lindsay Williams, my co-host, and another special guest, Jonathan Huggins. And we're going to be talking about what it takes to have the greatest language exchange ever. Now, before we kick off with that, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for this episode, and that is Clothesmaster. Learning with Clothesmaster is fun, addictive, and it's free. It's really simple. What happens is you see a sentence in your target language with something missing, and it's your challenge to fill in the blanks correctly. Clothesmaster app uses high frequency word lists built into sentences from real life. So everything you learn is natural content and it's always words that you're actually going to need. Best of all, Clothesmaster is available in over 50 languages. It comes with iPhone and Android apps and it works beautifully in your browser too. So you can learn anytime and anywhere without having to pay anything. To support the Fluent Show today, go to www closemaster that is c l o z e m a s t e r dot com slash c l l p where you will find a bonus video with me guiding you through the closemaster app and a few hidden features and a very special voucher to use when you try out closemaster's awesome pro membership so that's closemaster.com slash c l l p you don't need any special code simply go to closemaster.com slash c l l p to learn more today hello lindsay williams hello hey. oh what is that <gasps> I'm in Paraguay, finally. You're in Paraguay, finally? Have you spoken any... I was going to say, have you spoken any Paraguayan? Have you spoken any Guarani? <laughs> I I have, yeah. So as soon as we arrived at, like, um, not check-in, what's it called? Immigration. And uh, and I, I sort of said very very quietly, very tentatively, like, hola, bye, japa. You know, really, really little quiet one after the Spanish. And the same when I said thank you as well. But then that same day we went out for lunch and, uh, and, and and the guy in the restaurant that served us noticed that we weren't from Paraguay and said, thank you very much. He said, where are you from? And we said, England in Spanish. And he said, thank you very much in English. So I said, ah, I said, aguille, which is thank you. And he went, oh. And so then I was very happy and very excited. And when I finished, I went up to him and said, tembu e poracuri, which means the food was very good. And uh, and he said, oh, gracias, gracias. So I was very happy with that. That's so cool. Well, congratulations, your first Guarani in the wild. Thanks. Awesome. Gracias, amante. <laughs> well, de nada. Or what do I say for your welcome? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you can just say ipora, which is like, it's it's good. Ipora, I'm, I'm sure that works. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. Well, is Paraguay all you expected it to be? You've been building up to this for a while. And more, and more. Oh, cool. I think we're in like this luxury area. So there's like fancy stuff everywhere. The supermarket is very swanky. So we're going to find another one today that's going to be a little, 
little cheaper. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but it's very nice. Very nice, very hot. Very hot. That's really mm. cool. Hey, Lindsay, we've got a guest today. Did you know? I know. I'm very excited. He's just been stood there in the corner. <laughs> Hello, guest. Who are you? Hello. What are you doing here? So, hi. <laughs> hi. What's in? your name? I'm John. How old are you? Yeah. Hi, John. So, thank, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, that's a great to, to check in and uh, hear from you, Kirsten and Lindsay. I think I've been probably following your language journeys the past two or so years now. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see like how the Fluent Show is developing and all the projects you're doing, especially like the Women in Language conference that you just organized. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're listening, last episode that you listened, Lindsay and I were saying, we hope it's gone. We hope it's going to go well, but nervous. Um, and then Women in Language has just finished. So I think I think we're all in 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 the clear to say it went quite well, huh? I would say more than more than Definitely. well. It was uh, a hit. I think a lot of people uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and there was tons of feedback. I could see just a lot of people posting on social media, and and like yeah, I think it's a very much needed conference in the language learning world. Mm. It's that's a that's a really meaningful thing to say because I think there are there are language learning events and obviously here on the show you know if you're a listener you might have heard um, live reports from the Polyglot Gathering and from Langfest and I've sort of previously posted about all these different events that there are so it can be tricky when you're thinking of running a new event it can be tricky to say well what are we going to do that's in any way adding to the debate and women in language just had this simple hook in a way of saying okay. Well, we're just gonna have all female speakers, and that will automatically give a different perspective. And that surprising, it, it really worked well. I found myself being quite, you know, sort of on day two. I'm thinking, this is really nice. <laughs> so it was a, I thought it was a good experience. But for from an audience member, to to you know, for an audience member to to say that himself, that's that's really kind. However, we did not, listeners, believe it or not bring Jonathan on just so we can brag how well this conference went <laughs> and then just have him agree to us. Jonathan is actually an authority in himself and somebody who we brought on because he knows a lot about finding people to talk to. He's the founder of the 30 Day Speaking Challenge, which is, it's currently, it's free, right? It's for yeah, any language, yeah, learning, learning any language. Mm -hmm. And in the 30 Day Speaking Challenge, obviously you get... 30 days and on each of those 30 days you make a short recording in your target language and then you post it on the internets for mutual feedback and encouragement and Jonathan himself has been a language learner for 20 years as well and Jonathan tell us where where you live how you came to languages the whole the whole shebang um, in a nutshell <laughs> so yeah I've uh, got started with like learning Spanish back in 95. I guess that is starting to show you how old I am. But um, I grew up in Southern California and now I've been living in Mexico City for the last nine years. And before that, I was in Paris for six years. Um, but none of that would have been possible 
if I hadn't started learning foreign languages. So uh, I'd say I started off with, with Spanish for two years, and then I got curious with French. So I continued with Spanish and worked on French. And then finally, in my last year of high school, I also was getting curious about German. So I started taking that at a local community college. And what really like was an important experience from all of that was my high school French teacher took us on a trip to Switzerland and to Paris for like two weeks. And like visiting Europe was just for the first time that was just like jaw dropping. I was like, oh my gosh, there's this is where people speak so many languages. I want to live here. Uh, so I mm. hurried up my my university studies and I uh, came back and, and moved to Paris so I could live in Europe and practice languages and travel. And um, but for those of you listening, um, yeah, learning languages can take you to many places. And I think Lindsay is is quite literally proof of that right now. <laughs> How many yeah. places has Lindsay been taken to in the last what six months through languages? Ooh, just a few. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do we actually know a number? Do you keep count of the countries you visit in your? I do. Crazy. I do. And and I don't know how many this year because there are a couple. I like I'd been to Canada, the U.S., and Costa Rica before. Mm-hmm. But we we each have a little tally of like how many countries we've been to in general and i think peru for me was number 50 which is just ridiculous wow so now paraguay is like 51 wow. which is crazy yeah oh that's super cool that is super cool. got a lot of a lot of scratching to do on the scratch map when we get home oh my god yeah <laughs> do you on the scratch map do you scratch the whole country or do you just scratch the area because I think mine would look yeah. very impressive if I went, like, I've been to Moscow and Kazan. I'm going to scratch off all of Russia. Do it. Do it. Yeah. I, really? I scratched the whole country. Mine is, yeah. mine is very, very, um, well, it doesn't look like I've traveled a lot. I could, I think it, it could be a lot fancier. Um, I'm well, looking at I it mean, now because I haven't even, I think, yeah. I have not even, I've been to Kazakhstan eight times and I have not even scratched off all of Kazakhstan. Well, most of the places that we've, scratched off so far because we do it where we've been together on the scratch map so most of that is Europe so it's kind of small and (laughs) easier to just scratch off the whole country so I don't know we'll have to decide when we get home Mm. Jonathan have you got a scratch map showing where you've traveled to are you a traveler actually I um yeah when I was in Europe I definitely made these like short trips here and there but I Mm -hmm. I would say my map is probably back at my parents home where I grew up and it has all these little uh, thumbtacks in a world map and, and ah. also thumbtacks on a, on a map of the US. So I've gotten to about 42 states in the US and I think probably about, probably about a dozen countries in Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it must be wow. said that the American states count for, you know, they're sometimes like, they're a lot larger than most European countries to be honest. Mm. Yeah, that, that, yeah, they're definitely, like, that's taken years to kind of visit different places. But um, I really enjoyed going on a, a road trip one time with my dad. And we went from L.A. to Chicago and then Chicago to Seattle and then back to L.A. 
So that covered like at least 20, uh, yeah, at least 20 states on that trip. I was going to say countries, but they're wow. states. <laughs> yeah. For me as a German, I think we grow up with a very romantic image of the USA and especially California. And um, in the UK, it's not quite like this, but in Germany, definitely. I grew up dreaming of California. And then when I went to California, I was like, oh my God, it's everything I dreamed of. And I have like a mad, you know, love for, for this area. Um, and I know a lot of, you know, I know that there's issues of real life. And, you know, I know that there, there's many, I've got friends who live there. And I know it's crazy expensive. And there's this problem and that problem. I just completely put them all aside. And I'm like, yeah, but it's California. <laughs> and I have the same for, you know, America and sort of going across the state. So what you just described there, that's one of my bucket list trips a hundred percent that sounds amazing yeah it was basically the like the old route 66 i mean we, we did that and um there's not so much of the americana you can see anymore i mean most of it is getting a little bypassed by these huge super highways but it's still it's it, it's still an experience to to see for yourself and um there's a lot of wide open spaces from big city to big city but um, I, I think I grew up thinking a lot of those places were going to like fly over states. I, I hate that term, but mm. once you experience it, like on the ground and you're driving, you're meeting people, I fell in love with a lot of places. Like, um, like when I grew up thinking, oh, Idaho, like what is there in Idaho? But Boise was just a really vibrant college town city. And I was like, Hey, I could live here. Um, uh, so yeah, traveling around, discovering different places, you see like people are people. We all have a lot of things in common. Um, but yeah, tr I love traveling. I wish I could travel a lot more. Maybe someday do what mm -hmm. Lindsay is doing with kind of just pick everything up, take the kids, um, get a backpack and let's just keep going. Mm. There's something really interesting what you said and it, it reminds me of Lindsay's love for Milton Keynes because that's that's like that's I like that about <laughs> you Lindsay's um and I, I try to cultivate that too like no matter where you are even if you are just where you live or where you're born or nearby where you grew up you can still develop a lot of interest and a lot of love and and actually tourism in the place where you live mm. you know like you can yeah. it's not the world and all that but it, it is it's on your doorstep and there is still a lot to discover there Absolutely. Like, I'm excited to go home for, you know, so many reasons, so many things that, like, we're like, oh, I, like, we're, we're watching, like, um, Nailed It on Netflix. Have you seen this? It's a show where yeah. they make bad cakes. Oh. Very funny. But we're watching that and we're like, well, now I want to bake, but we can't bake because we <laughs> we don't have, like, an oven. So it's like, oh, okay, we'll bake a cake when we get home. You know, with this list of things of, like, okay, when we get home, we'll do this, we'll do this. There's tons of stuff I'm excited to do when we get mm. back. And you've previously mentioned that you're missing your books as well. You know, like in terms of language mm. study, it's there's oh, something to be said for being in a routine. Oh. And yeah. This, yeah. this is interesting because I'm I'm going to segue on to our, our main topic. And it's making me think um, of the places where I find people to talk to. And it is often assumed, I think, that by many, many language learners, that because the languages we learn have their home in a foreign country, that you need to go there in order to really find somebody to speak that language with. And then there is this problem that we perceive of 
finding somebody to talk to. So here's how I came to this topic idea. <laughs> it's that recently, um, I, I don't know why I do this thing, but I like to look at why people unsubscribe from my newsletter. And then there was this one message I got, and I thought it was actually really good and, and fascinating because what the person wrote was, this site, I guess meaning my newsletter, does not deal with the difficulty of finding anyone in the target language to talk with. This is the biggest problem of all. Now, finding somebody to talk with, it might not, to me, it's not the biggest problem because grammar, but it's clearly significant enough that people get frustrated. And in a way that's surprising because we have the internet and we have got, you know, the world. And then in today's show, I thought we, it's time perhaps to talk about what works for us and what hasn't worked for us. So what about you two? Do you have a problem finding people to talk to in your target language? Lindsay, do you want to go first? I was, I was keeping quiet so you could go. <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, this is an excellent topic. And I'd say, yeah, when I, when I got like starting to use, let's say ICQ, this is like 20 years ago. Um, I just was so, um, enamored with language learning. I thought like, oh, I would find these random people at their profiles. There was no pictures. It was just little what they spoke. And it was, oh, you speak Spanish and I'm learning French and we have so much in common. And I was so naive at the time thinking like, well, actually we have nothing in common. Uh, it's just two random languages. So I struggled with that a little bit where just kind of stumbling upon the first person I'd find and say, we have so much in common, let's talk. And then realize like you don't really have much. So I think getting to know, finding people maybe a bit based on their interests and what you have in common is an important starting point, um, not just the two languages by themselves. Because I wouldn't really go up to random people on the street in in my home country and say, hey, you speak English and we're both American and we have so much in common. I think there's a little bit more to it than that. I think you need to find people maybe like you start off with people you hang out with in school or in some kind of a club or um, you belong to an association or a church or so there's like usually you start off with something in common and then go from there but um, I think now with all these apps and websites the, the internet has definitely evolved and there's a lot more options but it, I think it still kind of goes back to having something in common to talk about mm. that's mm. a really good point really good point it's it's I think you've you've started off this conversation already putting your finger on one of the main frustrations of language exchanges. Um, so that's it for the podcast. Goodbye. Speak to you next week. <laughs> but it, you, I think you make a very, very good point. Now, question. Um, if you say, okay, you need to look for those people somewhere where you already are. And, and I, I would agree with that. I, I don't know. I don't know about you, Lindsay, but sometimes, you know, you get into maybe even a hello talk conversation or a tandem conversation and you just run out of stuff to talk about. Mm, yeah. I think that's probably the biggest problem of a language exchange. But where do yeah. we, when we go and say join a church or join a club or something like that and 
with the with the underlying intention of finding somebody to practice our languages with, that can lead to disappointment because there's nobody there. Or it can actually lead to a situation where you're putting a lot of pressure on that person when you're still not on the same wavelength. I find that it's it's quite difficult to find consistent people to talk with on a one-on-one basis. Mm-hmm. So like you said, like that example of, you know, you find someone on... You know, I know I know all the the places to look. I just know I'm never very good with that consistency. Like I find someone on Hello Talk or Tandem or whatever, I talky, and we'll talk. We'll have that basic Hello, how are you? Mm-hmm. My name is Bob. I'm learning French. I am French. I can help you. I'm learning English. Okay, what are you? In- you know that basic introduction, and then it will just fizzle. And I think it's very difficult to find that one-on-one consistent person you can rely on. And when I think back to like my whole language learning, if we're talking about language exchange, I've had, I would say, one language exchange that I would describe as successful Mm. in in terms of consistency. And that's based on a few things that I'm sure we'll get into later. But I think that then there has to be something said for the benefit of perhaps a group over that one-on-one so if you're struggling looking for the one-on-one then maybe a group could be the answer oh that's interesting so what kind of group would we then look for it would have to be a group of people who meet up in order to speak the language to each other now i've i know that on meetup.com which since i've moved to the southeast since i've moved to canterbury meetup.com has been a much more of a resource it's quite active here and it's kind of hiking yeah. groups and oh Lindsay, i found a i found a guy who speaks guarani oh. on a hike <laughs> but the, you know so and then you can talk about the countryside of where you are but i found that there are meetup groups sort of let's meet and speak french that kind of thing but they're quite few and far between and mm. i have had really i've had success organizing a little Welsh learners meetup here but you know we were I think we were all learners but I think maybe there's there's one point there to be said and Jonathan it'd be interesting to see what you think about this I think I personally think it's absolutely okay to have a language exchange with somebody who is a learner and I think look I often say this like looking for the native speaker as your sort of be all and end all and putting that above finding somebody who's just a good friend or something that that isn't really to me it should be more important that you just get on with the person and they don't have to be a native speaker yeah i think um yeah having multiple options i think is good and going back to this idea of like a group um i i i started to get a lot of these private messages and realizing like I just can't respond to all of them at the same time. So I decided to set up like a language exchange group um, about almost like three years ago, almost now. And the idea was just bring a lot of, all of these people together in one spot and we could kind of just mm-hmm. create a virtual bulletin board and start posting those messages. Oh, I speak English. I'm looking for German. Um, and then people could respond and then they could go from there and, and go off to Skype or whatever other platforms. Um, I think I, I, there is a lot of debate there about should it be a native speaker? Uh, what about a learner? 
and I would say that both both are completely valid. I think um, if you find somebody who is at a more advanced stage than you are, um, you can kind of give them advice um, and and share tips and resources and what's worked, what's not. I think some people they might discard them and say, "Oh no, another le learner. I don't want to learn from their mistakes." I want to get feedback from a native speaker, but then sometimes native speakers, when you ask them, well, why do you say this? They, they don't know how to explain it. So there's a whole spectrum of maybe learners who know how to explain things better than a native speaker, or maybe have better tips and advice on a language, or a native speaker might, um, might be a teacher, might be a tutor, or they might just speak their native language and that's it. Uh, so you, you can get a whole variety of experiences, but kind of need to know what you're looking for and maybe be open to trying uh, different things. Mm. So have you personally had, like Lindsay mentioned, she's got one exchange that's kind of felt good in terms of consistency. And I guess, Lindsay, then it would also be you managed to have interesting conversations. Yeah, I think... It worked because it was regular. We were both committed. And then, so we'd, you know, we'd, we'd meet each week and online this was. And because we were meeting regularly and we were both equally consistent, we were able then not to have to spend most of the conversation going over stuff like, so how are you? What's your name? Are you? Like, you know, if you're constantly trying to find someone new, you're constantly going over the same language. And so that was really good. You know, we could learn about, oh, his daughter's doing this. Okay, so let's talk about, oh, how, how's your daughter? How's she got on with, I don't know, a mm. dance thing or whatever. And, and, and so then you build this vocabulary about language and about areas of the language that you may never otherwise have, have, have thought about. But it's going to be useful because it's conversation. Mm. So, so that was a real benefit, I think common ground right yeah yeah you kind of establish this common ground as it goes on um and it, it was good it worked really well mm. i find that my my best language exchange partner has been um how to get fluent gareth because mm. i think a few things come together he wants to practice german i want to practice welsh we happen to have those two languages available to each other we were friends before we both have a topic that we're both very nerdy about so that really helps. Mm -hmm. I found like, you know, you, you, no matter what happens in these conversations, we end up straying on language learning and best methods and rah, rah, rah. And, um, or having a blog and running, you know, YouTube and this and that. So we, we have things in common in that sense. And I felt from him, like this real excitement and love of Welsh, this wish to pass it on. And for me, I've had this with German where I've, I want to pass it on. So I wonder if there's something there to take from Jonathan. What are you What are you hearing here? Does any of this make sense? I, I'm I put you down as the authority here, because uh, you have seen your fair share of language exchanges and what goes right and what goes wrong. Mm -hmm. I think um, as I've kind of watched this evolve, I definitely agree with with both of you. Where yeah, you you might get a lot of practice from those um, meeting somebody for the first time, going through it. Uh, but sometimes people can get a little frustrated with just, there isn't quite that commitment. I think, um, 
sometimes I, I look at this more of like relationship building and in tracking this little by little, there, there might be a very euphoric, um, intense stage where you, you, you want to hear somebody's complete story and everything about them. And at the same time, learning the language. Um, but then for some people like that's it, like, it doesn't really go much from there. It's kind of like speed dating, um, or even almost like a one night stand. Um, and then people never <laughs> hear from each other again, but in, 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 then it becomes a little difficult to find somebody who you want to commit to, um, that you have things in common. But I think what you're mentioning there with you and Gareth, I think having those things in common, uh, shared interests, I think that probably allows it to become more of a long-term, uh, friendship. And, and in addition, there is the language learning element, um, I think I've probably seen this also listening to, let's see, Ollie Richards, ha hearing him describe some of his best language exchange partnerships. And they were usually starting with a best friend or, and they happen to speak this language. Um, mm. So I think like including the language element in an already working friendship uh, is like a good, like cherry on the cake kind of thing. Um, it's, mm. it's kind of like going into business with your best friend versus starting a business and, and, and becoming friends with that person. I think there are some give mm. and take on like which one might be a little risky or which one might like work in the long term. Um, kind of depends. Mm. But I, I've it's come in stages for me. Um, there have been periods where like I could use a lot of apps and have free time. Now that I have kids and my time is, is definitely divided between teaching, spending time with the family. And so I've had to find maybe like more indirect ways to have exchanges, maybe uh, like sharing a recording um, and getting somebody's feedback with that, kind of like a message in a bottle. So we might not necessarily have a 30 minute conversation, but we are sharing messages and recordings and getting to know each other kind of in a distance way in an in, indirect way uh and that's been working for my current lifestyle um obviously for people who have more free time and can commit to maybe a half hour once a week then it is easier to meet people though sometimes with time zone differences like i've had to if i wanted to talk to somebody in russia uh, before I went to work, I might have needed to get up at like 5.30 in the morning and work on Russian, and it's like 2 in the afternoon for them in Moscow or something. But um, that th those have worked from time to time, but it, it takes commitment. Um, and also, if you're going to keep waking up at 5.30 in the morning, that, that also takes a physical commitment to make sure I get to bed on time and wake up early. Um, so time zones can also affect a little bit of when it's convenient to talk and um, people's schedules change all the time. I think it's really interesting what you say about how you have some um, people that you message for quite a while before maybe you do a video chat, if you ever do a video chat, because I think a lot of the time, myself included, you feel like, oh, that doesn't count as language exchange. I'm not sat there. I've not got that regular time every week where we log on and we're on Skype and we can see each other and we're talking for 30 minutes exactly or one hour exactly, you know. And I think that that's important too because 
nowadays, especially, you know, language exchange can be so much more than that. It can be like something that is um, much more, not passive, but just small nuggets that just fit into your life as and when they can, you know. So I think that's really a really good point. Mm. So does that, at that point, and I, I, I'm, I'm more and more and more thinking this is the biggest language exchanges, turns out, are a big dating analogy, aren't they? It, it really is about, it's a bit like when you find the right person and you fall in love and you actually want to spend time with them. Because I have had certainly language exchange partners where I, it's exactly what Jonathan was describing before, I wouldn't have wanted to spend time with them. Not that I hated them, but I just had no reason um, except for the language and the language wasn't enough to tie us together. And that makes sense because language is about communication and it's the tool, it's the means to an end, but it isn't unless you happen to find another nerd and you happen to be a nerd about language, it's it's never the purpose, right? It's always the, the, mm. the, the vehicle to get us to the purpose. So if it's a, if we're talking small nuggets, do you think, I'm thinking about this unsubscriber, <laughs> whoever you are, and you're probably not hearing this, but you know, I'm thinking about this person saying, but person, but but I, but finding people to talk to, that's my problem. And I think there's this image that we have of when we learn language, this image of I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be, you know, talking language in another, no, what? I'm going to produce words with my mouth in another language. People are going to sit there and they're going to listen and they're going to reply back and I'm going to understand what they're saying. And is it that especially in the, with all the technology we have available, we need to be maybe more generous and kinder to ourselves in terms of what counts as conversation in our head and to remember that this is a spectrum and we're building up to something. Lindsay, is that roughly what you were describing in different words? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, when you think about as well, with another analogy of like, when you think about what counts as study, we have this idea of, okay, so I need to study the language. That means I have to buy a grammar book. I have to buy a textbook mm. like it was in school and I have to sit and that's what counts as study by copying out everything I read in the book. But actually, if you broaden that term to include things like, okay, I'm washing up, but I'm also listening to um, Japanese Pod 101 or I'm washing up and I'm watching... Terry's house, which is back, high five. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then you're like, okay, well that that counts. If you if you then broaden that to to include that time when you're, you know, I, I think you you have this Kirsten where you say one of your kind of targets each day is to is it just to connect? How do you word it? To connect with have the Welsh language? Have contact with Welsh. Have contact. Have contact. That's yeah. it. And you know, and if if you if you broaden it to just include, okay, well, I've had contact, mm -hmm. and it may not be as much as. Yeah. The other day when I sat down and I did have the textbook or I did do a whole half an hour on memorize or language exchange or whatever, you know, then if you broaden that and it makes you feel more comfortable and the same goes for language exchange. If you broaden this term beyond just having to sit on Skype for 30 minutes, one hour, whatever, versus it also includes every interaction I have on HelloTalk, every audio message I send, um, you know, and, and, and you kind of make it a bit wider then you're being kinder to yourself with that and that can make you feel that you are doing language exchange perhaps more than you would consider now mm. and you're kinder to the other person too because you're not expecting yeah. as much from them and yeah then... yeah yeah it's a big expectation isn't it to, to have someone give give them a whole hour or so each week 
That's big. I recently said no to somebody because I I didn't want I didn't want that responsibility on me to become their language partner. You know, it was somebody I met mm. in person here, and she's she she speaks lovely German, and you know, like I I completely agree that she will benefit from the practice, but I couldn't commit the extra hour to to doing it, and I had to sort of go no, but. Yeah. I see her regularly because she goes to Parkrun. So at mm. Parkrun, I make a point to speak German to her, which is still contact, and it's as much as you can give. So, Jonathan, what do you think about? Yeah, what do you think about all of all of this and this idea of how much pressure you're putting on the other person? Yeah, I wanted to go back slightly to what you were saying there about like communication, and 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 uh, and I was this has been several years and kind of observing this and saying, well, also with language learning, like I could learn the language, like the grammar, the vocabulary, and just spend all my years just doing that, but never actually using the language and actually doing something mm -hmm. with it. Uh, so I think I had a big transformation when it was just not, not just grammar and vocabulary, but well, what about if I learned something in this language? And I think sometimes with language exchanges, we get in this, well, we could talk about the fact that we're learning languages, but what about the fact of like, okay, let's do something with the language. Let, let's actually communicate and, and share our thoughts on, on this. And, um, and I would say there is a lot also with like the give and take part of the exchange. I, I see a lot of messages where people say, I'm learning um, Japanese, I want somebody to help me learn Japanese mm -hmm. and that's it. Uh, oh, and by the way, I, I might be able to oh. help you with Spanish, it, but it, it really isn't like an, I, me focus. And it's just, I'm going to take, I'm going to consume and you are a disposable language learner. And once I get what I you're, want, you're a free teacher essentially. Um, so I try to promote mm -hmm. more getting people to say, well, what can I, how can I help you? Um, what can I offer you uh, instead of just a consuming the, 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 um, the other person's knowledge or kind of, I almost see people wanting to do like a matrix kind of uh, extract their language, like that, that part of their brain yeah. and just install it and then say, oh, okay, now I can speak this language. Goodbye. Um, mm. But uh, I, I, I would encourage more people to, offer and with the speaking challenge that i've organized it's not just like a one-on-one -on -one kind of environment it's also it can go like three four different ways where maybe as an english speaker i could help somebody uh like a spanish speaker learning french and a french speaker could learn help a german speaker learning spanish and that spanish speaker could so we can all help each other indirectly um, it doesn't like actually have to be, yeah, kind of like a co-op because there are a lot of people who they get frustrated saying, well, nobody wants to learn my language. So how am I supposed to get into this exchange environment? Because, well, I speak this language in, in Asia and maybe nobody is really necessarily interested in that. It's not a, what we might call like a mainstream European language that everybody has seen on the market, but so those people might be a little bit more at a slight disadvantage finding partners who yeah. would be equally interested in learning their language. But um, oh, the way you're saying market, 
Oh, that's that's exactly it, isn't it? That sometimes I think people people have a shopping mentality with with this type of thing, and it's that thing. It's I'm 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 so fired up, really, <laughs> sitting here <laughs> furiously scribbling notes because I think that is such a good point. You're saying have something to offer because that is where we start getting into respecting the other person, and I think it's mm. difficult because it goes into. If you're, I often say this to people, if you're awkward in your native language or if you, you know, if you're shy in your native language or simply you, you know, like you wouldn't talk to, like you said earlier, you wouldn't go to any American and say, hey, you're American too, we got something in common, we're going to be friends. It doesn't work like that. And that thinking about the other person is helpful, useful. So, Jonathan, um, how do you... What is what specifically would you advise to somebody who who is say posting on Facebook saying I'm looking for somebody to speak? How do you phrase things and how do you think about your almost like your small ads, you know, like your lonely hearts advert? How do you phrase it in a way that that gives and takes? Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of goes back to looking at people's like Twitter bios or their Instagram bios and seeing like. If, if you're going to come across that, that profile, like what gets your interest in wanting to communicate with that person or follow them or um, see what they're up to? Um, I think if it's a bit obscure and you like, you don't know what their motivation is or what their interests are, uh, you don't, you don't know what you're going to find when you start a conversation with them. But if you could go about and saying like, well, a little bit about me, where I'm from, this is my background, what my interests are, uh, and this is what I'm looking for, then everybody in that environment kind of, they, they know what you're expecting. Um, they know what you, what outcomes you're looking for um, from the exchange. And I think everybody going into that a little bit more um, informed, there's a, probably a better chance of um, like being, being satisfied with that exchange. Because if you if you just click on Skype and, and say, oh, hi, who are you? Uh, it, it, you have no idea what to expect. But if you can go into this with your eyes open, like informing people um, a little bit about your bio, what your interests are, what your level is in the language, what you're struggling with, um, somebody else might be able to um, offer a suggestion or what, how they can help. Or also they can point you in the right direction to somebody else who might be an ideal language partner. So I noticed this now in the speaking challenge where I might be listening to people's recordings in multiple languages. And I say, oh, I feel like I'm a matchmaker now because I can go and say, hey, you should meet so-and-so. The two of you seem to have something in common that, that the both of you are learning the same language. So you might be a good uh, partner to share advice with. And, and accountability partner. Um, so I, I like having that little observing in the background and, and putting people together who I think could be a good fit. So again, this goes back to like relationship uh, analogies, but um, when, when you know what somebody's background is, what their interests are, what they're looking for, you, you can either respond to that um, profile or that request or you can also help them, like point them in the right direction to somebody else who you might know or somebody's profile you've seen on a, um, Instagram or, or Twitter. Say, hey, you should go check out that person. They might be able to uh, help you out with that language. 
Mm. Has this ever happened to you, Lindsay? Or like, how did you find your your guy, your language exchange partner? Um, I think he found me on Italki. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't directly looking, but he messaged me and said, "I'm looking for language exchange. We're looking for this, this, this," and and I sort of said, "Okay, I'm doing my. I think I was I was doing my Spanish." Um, course at the time for my degree so it kind of fitted in quite nicely look having someone expert to speak Spanish with and uh and it just kind of happened but I'm thinking now something that we did used to do and I wonder Jonathan and and Kirsten what your thoughts are on this is in terms of preparation because we've touched upon this idea of you know language exchange isn't just a free teacher Mm -hmm. so what do you think about in terms of preparation because I remember we used to do for example okay so we'd find an article each other to read in I'd find one in English he'd find one in Spanish and it would be therefore a bit better than if we just find it ourselves because I'd be like oh this is this really important thing that's going on right now in in the UK there's this really and this guy is a cultural figure because xyz you know and he'd explain the same to me so you learn about the culture as well Mm -hmm. and I'd always feel really guilty if I came to the session and he'd prepared something or I hadn't or I'd prepared something and he hadn't there was always that feeling of like oh oh no oh how do how do you kind of navigate that in terms of preparation Mm. is that something you've ever ever had with your language exchanges I prepare strangely for my tutor because I I book only conversation class with my tutor so I don't really Mm. expect her to to prepare that much Um, and I prepare for her with my exchange partner Gareth Um, we it's more I tell him what went on this week, but I'm it's just somebody I'm comfortable with and I am, as you know, a very tangential person, so I'm pretty sure I'll just go off on one. But my linguistic skill is, is very high, but one thing I wanted to mention at this um, fork in the road is also this website that Maureen shared before I, before I get some better advice from Jonathan rather than what I just said. But Maureen Millwood shared at Women in Language this most amazing website and it's an English learning website so for the ESL and EFL classroom and has conversation questions and it's the biggest list I've ever seen you can just pick whatever topic you are interested in there's really cool topics like from house renovation to childhood to traveling or you know some some really heavy stuff tsunamis world peace but also like who do you think is the greatest driver in the formula one or you know what's your favorite this and that and why etc so this website uh, i'm going to put it in the show notes and i really like that because that's pre-written questions which is almost like when you you know when you go to a party and you just have this like question prompts or conversation prompts it's a little bit like that and i will definitely use this so i wanted to share it here because this is you know, take those questions, translate them into your target language, and you've got a ready-made conversation. But Jonathan, how do you go about it? Yeah, I, I like what you said there about like preparing things for your teacher. So I think, uh, and and what Lindsay, you're saying here about, well, yeah, I might feel bad if somebody else prepared something for me and I didn't have something for them. So I, I think there is along the lines of this kind of give and take and offer and um, agree agree before you start an exchange sometimes to know how is this dynamic going to work um, are we are we just gonna wing it and just talk about whatever or to be maybe a little bit more effective 
or efficient with limited time, let's each figure out what we want to work on and maybe look at an article, like you said, or um, maybe the other person could record uh, themselves mm -hmm. reading that article that you're working on. So you could um, work on your listening skills and, and then uh, reading skills and then talk about that as a discussion topic. Um, uh, it, yeah, I think each person contributing something, kind of like a potluck, uh, is is better than just waiting for somebody else to do something for you. And this also relates to maybe like, uh, is it better to have a language exchange partner versus a tutor? Because you do have to kind of barter your time, barter your language mm -hmm. when it's when it's a, with an exchange partner. I think if your time is limited, um, maybe like a tutor, if you if you know exactly what you want, and maybe you don't necessarily have the time to to like also give back, um, then I guess in that case you're not necessarily bartering your language. Now you're bartering money for um, not necessarily teaching that other person. Um, but I think it's important to agree agree on those terms, um, not mm -hmm. in writings and not necessarily, but but at least talk about that of like how should we do this. Um, so that both people um, like know what to expect uh, and that they don't necessarily feel like this person's doing all the work and I'm doing nothing. And then there's might be a little resentment and then they stop the, uh, the communication or uh, they all also maybe take turns. Uh, maybe this week we'll, we'll work on your language learning and then maybe next week uh, we'll work on mine or, or maybe they swap it of 15 minutes, 15 minutes. But it's it's important to kind of establish some of the guidelines. I think mm. this is, I love how what we're coming down to, or what, what, what is kind of coming as, a, as an overall feeling in this conversation is kind of coming through to, for me, is it's not really about where you find them. It's not really about where you go. You know, like we know, we all know sort of on the internet at least where to go to look for those people. And if you don't and you're listening, we'll have it in the show notes too. But it's about respect. It's about respecting the other person's time mm. and, and uh, in a way, the donation, you know, uh, for lack of a better yeah. word, you know, the, the contribution that they make to your development. I think part of that is because it's very easy to group the idea of, okay, so this is my language exchange partner and they are just as much a part of my language learning success, my language learning toolbox or my language learning resources as much as my textbook, my app, my audio course, whatever, right? And then almost forget that they're still a person. It's very easy to do that, I think. And that's where this kind of different um, perception has to come in, where you're thinking of, oh, no, this is still a person. <laughs> I still need to respect them and respect their time as, as much as I would want them to respect me. You know, mm. it's very easy to just group them with everything else that you're using as a as a commodity, as a resource, but it's not quite the same thing. And I think that's a really interesting point, Kirsten. Mm. It's it's not about where you find them; it's how you treat them. Yeah, I would say. Uh, sorry, um, we're just kind of thinking that with this idea, like cultivating and and like maybe planting a seed with that a friendship or that partnership, and saying like, well. If it's just a commodity, a resource, then maybe you're not really giving back to it. But if you're planting a seed and wanting to watch this grow, you do have to kind of give back to it. You have to give it like water and 
um, put it in the right place and give it sunlight, kind of like a plant. Uh, but if you just if you don't water it, it's gonna die. Um, so yeah. yeah, don't kind of mistreat um, those those exchanges and realize yeah, there is a person. They have value. Uh, they have maybe time. They have their own interest. So don't necessarily just take everything and that's it. I love that, like a plant. Yeah, <laughs> that's the difference as well between a language exchange and a tutor then. When you're saying about watering it, I'm thinking, okay, so that means, you know, being willing to send an email midweek to say, oh, I can't meet this week or reply to their email midweek. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas if you've got a tutor, of course, yeah, you're going to reply to an email, but you kind of, for me at least, I feel like, well, that's the time when I see them. And even though I'm paying them, I don't want to take any more of that time from them. But actually with an exchange... And there's no money involved. It is about that 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 nurturing of the the relationship and the friendship that hopefully would come along with that. So yeah, there's a difference there as well between a, a, a tutor and an exchange partner. Again, hundred mm. percent. I I agree that, and having having worked as a tutor as well, it's like you sort of expect you, you maybe you assign people something as homework, but as a tutor, at mm. least in my experience. I came to expect that most of my students uh, would just rock up without too much prep. Or they might do prep that isn't really related to our conversation. They wouldn't prepare specifically for the, for the conversation. Not all of them, not yeah. all the time, but I, I couldn't rely on it, you know? But then that's what they paid me for. So I always had ways of, of you know, like you, you as a tutor, the onus is on you and as a, to, to make value out of that time. Because that's what you're getting paid for, and I think, to me, that is that is the exchange that is happening. Is is you get a valuable hour of language learning in exchange for money. But there's something that you just mentioned, Lindsay, that I thought was really interesting. Is that you said I don't want to want to take up any more of their time, which is when money changes hands, you enter a different, you automatically enter this different respect space. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that too, Jonathan? You're sort of you tutor, you tutor quite a few people. Yeah, there's um, yeah, with, yeah, for the respect and the time, um, yeah, there it, it, it's almost for tutoring and and teaching and consulting and there sometimes it could just be okay, time is up, goodbye, uh, or also encouraging some students when before that lesson starts to. Um, do some research on their own, kind of, if they're struggling on something, look it up a little bit, see how they can become more independent, or are they just waiting for that from me to, to do everything? And I think there is also debate there about what is the role of a teacher. Um, and I like to encourage people to be a little bit more independent. Um, but I, and as a student, and also as a, like a partner, I do try to offer and do some of that research and say like, okay, I'm struggling with this point. Maybe I should go look that up and not just walk into the, the lesson or walk into exchange just kind of with my arms crossed and kind of just waiting for the other person to do all the work for me. Um, so I think the respect for the time is also respect for like, well, did you do some work on this? Did you look it up? Did you... Do you, do you just want me to Google that for you? Um, so I think uh, it, 
Yeah, there's a lot of this element of respect, I think, that I've, it's taken years and years to observe all of this. You realize, um, uh, yeah, figuring out what, what's the best way to do it. And there, there isn't like maybe like a one-size-fits-all for everybody. I think it, it, it depends on each person's personality and what they're looking for. Um, but be open-minded about this and try different things. I find that with a tutor, when you know, when you're saying, do you want me to Google this for you, some maybe cultural backgrounds as well may make it so that in a way you hear it, you know, or even even just some learning styles, having something explained to you, having it read out, even if somebody's reading you, practically reading you Wikipedia, which most tutors don't do. Most tutors in languages, you know, who are into the language are good explainers. I think that there is, even there is added value for, because sometimes you've got to hear it from an authority. And if a lot of students, because of how society sees, you know, the learner and teacher relationship, for better or worse, will look to the tutor as the authority there. I can see mm. that definitely in the like the language exam preparation classes that mm -hmm. I do where mm. I, I want to help them, let's say with the TOEFL. And I would, I would also rely a lot on the resources from like the ETS, the people who create the exam. And, but sometimes I feel like, well, I'm, I'm giving them information that was freely found on the internet and, and online. And, but I think in that environment, there's just, there's so, so much overwhelm, too much information. So yeah, you do need maybe a guide or a Sherpa or some somebody who can kind of just filter out all that information and just like, could you just, yeah, okay, fine, Google it for me. But um, could you just explain this a little bit? I'm having a hard time. I'm just, there's way too much information about here. Yes, I could do this research on my own, but you're a native speaker or you've done this, you've learned this language. Um, could you just simplify it for me? What do I really need to know? And um, so, yeah, sometimes between a tutor and a language exchange partner, you could kind of have that sense of authority where um, they, they they can filter out the information for you and just, okay, you need to learn that. And that's it. Mm. Now, I have a question for both of you. And I'll start with Lindsay, because Lindsay's a girl. <laughs> and this is, you know, because sometimes language exchanges, and it's not just because you're a girl, but I think it's, you know, language exchanges can do all kinds of things where sometimes it gets awkward or, you know, people sort of start flirting with you when you really don't want them to. Like, like it's like, um, mm. Shahida put it in such a funny way in, in our Women in Language Facebook group. She typed something like, oh, let's just forget about all that and help me with this plus con perfecto, please. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really fun because that is what we're kind of like, no, we're focusing on this. So... No, my number one question before you is have you ever been hit on as a language exchange partner and number two in leading on from that and I think I'm interested in what both of you say to this is how do you say no when it's just not right mm, good question I, I, I have I ever been hit on for language exchange I don't think so but I've definitely had some uncomfortable messages you know if it starts with like hello you are beautiful. Mm. Teach me your language. And it's kind of like, okay, just not dismiss. What's the word? Discard mm. <laughs> when you when you don't want to read the message. Um, disrespectful from the start, even though it's a compliment. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's tricky, right? Because it's for some people that's a nice 
thing to say. Some people would think that that's a really nice introduction. They're being really kind, but yeah, I'm married. I'm fine. I, I, I don't need to be told that I'm beautiful by someone I want to exchange a language with necessarily, you know? So, so there's that. But then in terms of, um, hang on, I've forgotten. What was the second part of the question? How do you say no? How to say no, right. How to say no. How to say no? <gasps> I don't know. I mean, I think from, from the start, I can tell, like, if, if I don't think a language exchange is going to work, mm -hmm. then maybe I'm really bad and I, I just kind of don't reply to the first <gasps> message. You ghost on people. Yeah, is that bad? When know. you get so many messages, like Jonathan was saying, mm -hmm. you get so many come through on something like Hello Talk. And 90% of them are just, hello, hello, hello. And I know that, you know, someone's taking the time to maybe look at my profile and say hello. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't know how else to introduce themselves. But you can't respond to every message that says hello. Otherwise, you know, we've got lives to live. We've got stuff to do. Yeah, I agree. So I know it sounds it sounds really bad. But yeah, I, I, I do. I kind of don't reply if I don't think it's going to, like, go anywhere. So then I replied to messages where people have actually taken time to read my profile and to make an effort and to say, you know, I have questions, for example, on my Hello Talk profile to say, these are my favourite films. What's your favourite film? Let me know in a message. What's your favourite? These are my favourite songs. That's What's a good yours? idea. Let me know. Just to kind of to see so people can say, oh, I love that film. My other favourite film is this. Or, oh, yeah, I like that song too. Here's another of my favourite songs. And that helps to get a conversation going. And I think that's really important. I have a blog post about this, um, how to guarantee responses with kind of online language exchange. Because show notes, show notes. It's going in. Partly because, <laughs> partly because I was feeling guilty about not responding to every single message that just said hello. Mm -hmm. But partly because I think it's important as well to help, to help create that initial connection, you know, mm -hmm. with something beyond where do you live? I live here. Because we want commitment, song? like you said before. Yeah. And if you're looking for commitment, you know, that's one way and one way that I share in that blog post as well, that how you can do that is by, you know, putting something out there in your profile and then asking for a response, kind of asking questions directly to see, you know, have people read my profile? Oh, they have. Okay, cool. Let's, let's respond and let's chat just to help kind of filter things down a bit because we don't have time, unfortunately, to respond to, to every single message. Going back to a previous um, episode where you... Uh, the two of you are talking to Gretchen Rubin and the four tendencies. I Not too, would say I would say I'm an obliger. So I have a hard time telling people who sincerely might want my help no. Like because like maybe I'm busy. I, I try to find a way like maybe I can offer them something of like, okay, maybe this person can help you or go check out this resource. Uh, like but try to tell them up front. Um my time's limited or just what's that one question? But sometimes on those apps like uh, Facebook Messenger, the, the second you accept that, um, that message request, it now opens this door to like, well, they could start messaging you over and over and over again. Um, so there, there isn't quite of a, like a limit. You could say, okay, you can ask me that one question and, and that's it. Sometimes it, it leads into more and more messages. So I I definitely hear other people like uh, Benny Lewis and saying like I'm sorry I received so many messages I just can't accept them. Um, 
or here there are more appropriate channels where you can communicate with me, we can talk over there. Um, so sometimes maybe directing the traffic in such a way. Uh, but I, I really like what, what you said, Lindsay, about having like a message uh, or questions to say, like, if, if you're going to take the time to message me, at least answer with something of value or something interesting to start the conversation. Because just hi, um, it's kind of like a call for attention, but it doesn't really go much from there. And then I don't really want to invest all that time in if I don't know what I'm getting into. Um, it's a bit risky to like just like if, if you're going to say hi, please say something more than just hi. How are you? And offer offer some information that I could respond to um, or get the conversation started. If it's just it, it, it's like somebody waving at me and expecting me to wave back to everybody who waves at me. It's like, well, like, how would I wave to somebody I'm interested in talking to? <laughs> You kind of look behind you thinking, who, who do I know? I don't know you yet. <laughs> this is, well, I'm going to start wrapping up now. This has been a super interesting conversation. I feel like we're going to continue this conversation past past the podcast. So listeners, please tell us what you thought and, you know, tell us how you connect with people, where you have found language exchanges and if you found one that, that really works. Like I said, in the show notes, you will find a list of sort of our approved, tried and tested various different places. And I think I'm thinking of three places to find language exchanges. There are two apps, Tandem and HelloTalk, and there is italki. And there are also various Facebook groups. I want to make you aware as well that Jonathan, who you can find at hugginsinternational.com, he has the adorable last name Huggins, love it, love it. Uh, and, and again, in the show notes, Jonathan doesn't just post a 30-day speaking challenge like that. Jonathan also provides prompts. So if you don't know what to talk about, that's amazing. Yeah, that was Jonathan, would you like to that... pimp, your... pimp yourself? What am I talking about <laughs> Jonathan, would you like to big yourself up? <laughs> sure. Just to say, yeah, the... Um, when I got started with, like, trying to record myself and... and, and struggling to find language exchange partners i just went on the initiative like okay i'm going to record myself and i'm going to put it out there and see if i get feedback and at the time like when i was doing that maybe um two years ago i didn't really have prompts to work with i just turned on the turn on the camera started talking about what i did that day and then i realized like well if i had prompts this would probably be a little bit easier so we're now almost coming up on the one year anniversary of this speaking challenge and at the end of this month. And so each day I go in, I send a fresh new email. It isn't just automated uh, for 30 days. It's every every day, every email is, is brand new. Uh, we do maybe recycle a couple um, prompts here and there that are popular. Uh, for example, we might ask everybody who's joined, um, come up with five icebreaker questions. And then we get, as a result, maybe if everybody contributes five of them, then we end up getting at least 100 or more um, prompts that people can use in the next few days. And then they can kind of pick and choose like at a buffet. Um, so the idea is keeping people interested in many topics. But uh, everybody's welcome to join that. Um, like we said, it's a free challenge and it's for 30 days. But yeah, you get it's, it's also a great way to find people who are also interested in learning languages and motivated and serious 
uh, and willing to give each other some feedback and some support. So it is, it's kind of an indirect way to get that support, either on feedback on audio, but we also meet in a small Facebook group. And so it's, um, it's a really nice place uh, with a lot of motivated people in there. Mm, mm, it's a it's a fantastic initiative and i just want to say congratulations on it so guys if you're listening you know do do check it out and tell tell jonathan i sent you it's it's free there's no relationship here but i want him to know i sent you and Lindsay sent you <laughs> now to sum up our conversation i've made a few notes and i find that where we where we ended up is sort of the things that make a language exchange or any kind of I'm looking for somebody work are to start with common ground to find something that you have in common and look for people also in spaces where you wouldn't necessarily look for a language exchange partner with a capital kind of LLEP but instead really look for people that you're just on a wavelength with you know, the best language exchanges evolve, evolve from friendship Lindsay then mentioned be consistent you know, meet on a regular basis, commit and prepare for each other. You know, respect their time. Don't just rock up and have the same conversation again, but really think about what you can share that is interesting to them. So this also goes into something Jonathan mentioned before, which is relationship building is important. So you're not just using a resource in the same way you'd use Closemaster, our wonderful sponsor, or any other language textbook, etc. You are building a relationship with a person that is when it becomes rewarding and I Lindsay said I'd feel bad if somebody else prepared something for me and I wasn't prepared for them and I think it's it's that mindset that will really assist you here another great tip was record yourself so for example if you can't make a regular time in each other's time zone or if you want to start the exchange strong and you want them to hear your voice right at the start record yourself and you know make a use of that voice messing messaging feature if it's there and finally focus when you're initiating initializing initiating your 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 exchanges focus on what you can offer them and i think that mindset shift is is awesome i think that's really really cool so we each have found language exchange partners but i will definitely tell you i've had a lot of exchanges that didn't go anywhere either through my own uh, lack of commitment or my own lack of having something interesting to say or something like that or actually my lower language skill um, when when I really can't say that much in in my target language then I can't talk about that much in my target language but I've also had a really great language exchange experience in the past and and made it made me so appreciative and you get a lot out of it for free so that's really my main conclusions you guys got anything to add or feels good I think that's it. I'm glad you added about the level as well, because we didn't get to talk about that. I think that's something that's a whole other conversation of, you know, what level before language exchange should you be the same level? So much you could go into there. But yeah, I think it's, it's another thing just to be aware of to, to think about, okay, do I have enough to say? Or if I don't have enough to say, does this other person have an equal amount of language? Uh, you know, in the language they're learning or are they more advanced? And, you know, try and get that balance as well and see what's going to be best for, for both of you. Mm, mm, yes, good points, well made. Jonathan, got anything else to add? Yeah, I just think that's a wonderful wrap-up and, and summary of what we covered here today and just that tiny little 
mentioned there about the levels because I do notice on a couple apps where you can see somebody's proficiency and then compare that to your own. And there is a tendency where like if you are um, practicing with somebody who doesn't speak your language as well as you speak theirs, you can kind of control that, that conversation a little bit more to your advantage or they can control it to their advantage. So sometimes if it's not equal, um, there might be a little bit more of a dominant um, speaker who gets the benefit out of that conversation. But that's definitely a topic for another conversation. Yeah, to be continued. Well, hopefully um, we have now solved or at least tackled the biggest problem of all in language learning or definitely a big enough problem that it frustrates us and we've given you guys a lot to think about. So I'm going to do my usual sign off and Jonathan, this is inspired by something very British you may have never heard of called University Challenge where each team gets to say goodbye and then the main presenter says goodbye. I don't really need to explain it, right? So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye from Lindsay. Adios. And goodbye from Jonathan. And goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk. Or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.